Hello everyone, welcome back to Notes of the North Talks, a series where we get to know our nationwide Canadian composer talent. Today I'm here with Marian Mozetic. Thank you so much, Mr. Mozetic, for taking the time to speak with me today. Well, thank you. I'm very pleased to be here. Thank you. First and foremost, I'd love to get to know your background a little better. So where in Canada do you call home? Oh, uh, I'm a bit of a gypsy. I uh, I wasn't born in Canada, so maybe that makes a difference. But I, I was born in Italy, but right on the border with uh, what was then Yugoslavia, but it's now Slovenia. And right on the border, but on the Italian side. And I was four when we came to Canada, and I, they, my parents and I, of course, settled in Hamilton. So Hamilton was my hometown, and then when I went further studies, I ended up in Toronto. And then from Toronto, <laughs> I ended up here in the Kingston region, which has been the longest I've been anywhere. Inhabited diverse areas of the world. Yes, yes. <laughs> There's yeah, Italy, here in Canada, but also I think you studied in London as well. Yes, yeah, so, uh, yeah, for a year and a half I was also in Europe studying in Italy and then in England, in London I stayed. Right. So how have these different environments sort of influenced your compositional style and may have shaped your work? Um, that's kind of hard to say, you know, again, because it changed. You know, when I studied, uh, sort of my advanced study was in Toronto as a student. Uh, I did then got Canada Council grants to study in Europe. And, and in Europe, I mean, mostly in Italy and, and England, was more just by being there and going to concerts and meeting uh, other composers that had some effect on me, you know, outside of what was happening here in Canada. But when I came back, uh, I mean, I lived in Toronto for 20 years, so um, I was affected by the scene of what was happening in, in Toronto. I would say that there's nothing specific, you know, it's more a generality. I was influenced uh, by a lot of European composers in terms of uh, more avant-garde or, or music that was quite abstract. But then I also then, all of it, which I wasn't too, too pleased with that or, or wasn't satisfying enough. And really it was sort of around 1975 when, when I heard works by Philip Glass and mm -hmm. Steve Reich who were minimalists, but they were also very tonal composers. And uh, um, that had an influence on me. Mm. So I, I could go on. I mean, there, there are many things. Now, if we take a step back, how did you first start composing? Well, I studied piano when I was in Hamilton. I, uh, well, I started as a kid of nine. Uh, I happened to, well, there happened to be a piano teacher who lived at, at the corner of where the street we were on. And I heard the music, you know, the piano, and I asked my dad, it was serendipitous, you know, I just asked him if I could take piano lessons. He said, okay. In our house, music was mostly folkloric. They played polkas and waltzes. Sort of the most classical music would have been 
Strauss waltzes, right? And also they used to sing at home with their friends. They used to sit around the table and, you know, drink and and sing folk songs from Slovenia area. Oh. So that was kind of interesting. From that, I, I thought I would want to be a concert pianist. I mean, I advanced quite a bit in, in piano. And uh, I went to U of T. But, but also, what I was studying, um, I'm still in Hamilton. I had a very good teacher, uh, Reginald Bedford. And he would have these soirees, you know, where, where the students would, would play a piece they've been working on, which was, you know, great. And then there would be tea and cookies kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and then he would always ask a student to talk about a piece. But it's not, it can't be piano. It has to be sort of like orchestral or chamber music. Uh, And, you know, talk about it and play it sort of uh, to elucidate the other students. That kind of made me interested in other composers. Mm -hmm. I used to go to the library. Um, I remember for one of those soirees, I talked about Bartok. I I was already uh, wanting to into the modernist scene, right? It was music for strings, percussion, and celeste. I thought it was amazing music. And so I remember during that period before I went to U of T, is I, I, I started writing music just on my own. Mm-hmm. I wrote some piano pieces. So it was kind of in me. You know, I wanted to do it. But at the same time, I wanted to be a performer. So... A long story short, I end up at U of T, but then there I realized that that I'm really not that good <laughs> as a pianist. I mean, I could play difficult music, but it would take me forever to do it. I would make too many errors because the, of, of nerves and uh, a, a poor memory. You know, it would take me forever to learn. And the other pianists that that I befriended there, you know, they were so far ahead and they would learn things so quickly. I mean, I realized I didn't have the whole nature to be a performer. So I turned to composition Mm -hmm. and I studied composition because it interested me, you know, and I was interested in composers and and the music, the new music scene, like what was happening, you know, at that time. People like Penderecki and Sanakis and Stockhausen, that world. But um, over time, I started moving away from that world. Like I said earlier, it sort of was not as satisfying. Well, your musical style is truly so captivating. I love how it's described on your website that you aim to write music that expresses beauty, sensuousness, and emotion. So. I'd like to know, why are these three words so fundamental to your music? I feel that, that for me anyway, that music should have some intention. And intention, I mean that it has some emotional content to it. The one thing that I love in, in music is patterns. Um, and, and you get patterns a lot more in older music, particularly Baroque and classical right? They would play a lot more with patterns and and even in the romantic era. But then when we hit the 20th century, they got rid of all that. And not only that, because if you think of patterns, that means the rhythm, the way uh, 
notes are move around are in certain kind of geometric patterns. That goes the same with harmony. I still like the you know established sense of what harmony is, but when I studied, you know, that was something that we tried to ignore as as young students. You know, it was like oh, that's been done before. We're going to do music that's like way out there, and and sort of ignoring ignoring harmony entirely, actually. So in a way, it's ignoring all of those things that can create a beauty, pattern and harmony, and, and, a, and a bit of emotional content. But it's tricky because even in the abstract kind of music, there there is emotional content. But it tends to be darker, I find. So what is one of your works that you feel best represents you or your musical style? The one that's been the most popular and, and it seems to affect people. So I would pick the violin concerto that I wrote back in 96, which is called Affairs of the Heart for violin and string orchestra. That always seems to grab people. And it has pattern in it, you know. It has a strong har harmonic movement. There's also the pattern that there's always something that's uh, almost hypnotic in, in the way it moves throughout the piece. And it seems to orally mesmerize people. Well, it was CBC that aired it, and they had such a, a, a big response that they decided to record the piece. They had uh, audience members who would call in or write in, uh, and one of the things they would say is like, uh, I was listening to this piece, and I, I couldn't stop listening. I had to <laughs> park the car, you know, or or sit in the driveway until I knew who it was or till the end of the piece kind of thing. Wow, that's amazing. What served as your inspiration for this work? Well, I just finished um, String Quartet. This is my third string quartet. It kind of reminds me of the way I work. But essentially, I play around at the piano. I have some vague ideas. It could be very abstract idea. This it's like a seed. You don't know exactly how it's going to form itself. So I kind of improvise, and then I find something that's catchy. You know, catchy, either it's a pattern or, or it's some little melodic line, like not a lot. And, and if I find it intriguing, then I'll write that down and start working with it to see what I can do with it. And the more I work at it, I can see if if it moves and I see potential, then I work at it. But I never know how it's going to end. I never know how it's going to really develop. I just move on from what I started, you know, initial uh, uh, spark of interest that I had or, or even a kind of emotional feel that I had, a good emotional feel. And I go, ah, oh, I like that. So I'll start with that. Now, then I play with it is I, I do play on certain rules that I set for myself. And that is that you keep at with what you start, meaning whatever musical material I started with, whatever that melodic line is, mm -hmm. 
is try to keep constantly having a variation of it. What can you, where can you go with it, you know? But always bringing it back. And the same thing goes with the harmony behind it, you know, is not to go all over the place, you know, is to mm -hmm. stick with, with the initial material you have. If you're only given so much material and that's it, you've got to work with it that there is a freedom there because, number one, you don't have a, a thousand choices. There is a freedom in that, but then it's also confusing, right? Oh, I could pick this or I could pick that. But when you're given a restricted amount, then, okay, that's it. I can only work with one, two, three. So what can I do with that? And that's where it's telling about how creative you can be and creating something out of that uh, restricted amount of material so in a way your music is still very structured in a sense mm -hmm. it, it still has to follow a certain framework but that goes with always not veering away from the way i started to be so i'm playing with a certain pattern right and and actually the the uh, also thematic part uh, but i stick with it you see that's consistency we've woven through yes yes so uh, so that there's always something familiar for the listener That's good. you know or even not just the listener but the performer there's a thread you can follow and you're returning home <laughs> mm -hmm. and and that that comes with constantly referring to your initial material so your style has evolved through like you mentioned earlier avant-garde kind of expressionism more mm -hmm. on the modern side to minimalism to almost postmodern romanticism so the yeah. music, the music scene in Canada especially the western traditional classical scene is very much evolving um do you mm -hmm. do you find it challenging to make music that appeals to current audiences is this something that you keep in mind when you're composing I do uh, I mean, it's not strictly like I write and I go, oh, they'll like this. This is, you know, this is, I got to do this because they'll like it, you know. It, it's more, actually, I discovered if I like it, a lot of other people like it. Like if I got certain emotional feedback from what I'm composing, right, mm -hmm. that, that like I would go through a certain section, I go, oh, that really... Uh, touches me and so I, I and that would encourage me to continue on with that that particular section invariably it's it's sort of passed on that, that because of the way I had the sensation that it affects the audience similarly so in a way that would guide me in in, in making decisions but yes I, I do believe to some extent you have to think of your audience because uh, we kind of got to a point where an artist sort of is almost removed from society at large. It was encouraged. It was encouraged to be utterly individual, yes. you know. But then eventually people were doing music that was very hard to listen or, or only a full of people right. would kind of get it in a way in a way there's still that element of trusting your instincts and your gut to yes. what sounds good yes yes that uh plays into things i i also like the game of it you know like i said i like pattern i love beethoven because the, the way he can develop things you know 
But even if you go into Bach and all these people, you realize the geometry of their music, you know, how they they structured things. So that's all helpful. You know, it's all kind of stuff I I learned, right, and studied. So it's it's kind of in me. Mm -hmm. But I don't consciously imitate any of it. But it comes out, I guess. It comes out when you study certain things that they affect what you do. Right. And it shapes your process, I guess. Yeah, and I think maybe indirectly it helps. It helped in the way I structure stuff. Most of us have studied so many different styles. Right. Right. That you can't kind of copy anyone. But I like to communicate. I mean, it is an important thing to give something. What do you think is the role that composers play in Canada's cultural scene? Now, this sort of goes back to we're talking about writing music with audience in mind or, or, or having them in mind. Do you think composers are a key element to Canada's culture? Do you think... No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's why, because really what's going on so much from classical tradition has become academic to a large extent, or it appeals to a very small audience. So it's not out there entirely. It's played by chamber orchestras, you know, the classical trained musicians and orchestras themselves. It's not disseminated to the extent that pop music is. All the other genres, pop, pop meaning whatever is out there that people know. And classical really is only a fraction, or the, the, the compo- what composers write is only a fraction of what's happening now in the world at large. And I'm part of it, you know, it's, I mean, as much as I appeal to audiences, because we don't have the, the venues the way the popular music has. There, there's more machinery, you know, to get it disseminated to, so that people can hear it. Where in classical, it's less and less. So people don't know. How, uh, at least the one time people knew a little bit of what's happening in terms of serious music, or I like to call it art, art music. It's kind of like art music. It's like art, a lot of art to not um, commercial art, you know, but somehow art is, seems to be accepted more than art music. Right. In a way, it's almost difficult for the accessibility of instrumental music nowadays. It's mm-hmm. but if uh, it depends on the, the the music, you know, there are there is music that really is captivating, and that's what will keep it alive. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's still a lot of old music that is still vital it's still uh, even people who listen to, don't know about classical music and you can play certain kinds certain works that would excite them the problem is uh they're too long <laughs> oh, that's as a final message is there any message you would like to share with young canadians that might be listening whatever interests they have is to to follow their passion they want to study more of it is is keep at it pursue that and same thing with music if there's a passion for it is to pursue it and despite any kind of difficulties you know because it will one's always going to come you know into some difficulties of things and not to give up right 
is to keep keep at it. Because it really, the, the person that succeeds is the person who persists, perseveres in in their studies of whatever it is, is to stick with things. And I mean, there may be periods, even years, sometimes where. Uh, one doubts themselves or they uh, want to do something else because they're not sure of it. Um, and then they'll go back, you know, because if it's that important, it'll stick with them. Very well said. That's pretty much all. Thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, well, you're welcome. You're more than welcome. I enjoyed this very much.